Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the show. My name is Ahmad Munawar. I'm one of your hosts, joined by my good friend and co-host, Saeed Ali. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Great to be here. Thank you very much for joining us. Saeed, we're finally doing this. Yes, sir. <laughs> Are you excited? I am. All I right. am. So a little bit of background first. Saeed is a CFP. Yes. CFP. What does that stand for? C is certified. Certified. I got it up on my wall. Financial planner. <laughs> certified financial planner. So in English, that means his day job is to help clients set life goals and engineer a financial plan that will help them achieve those goals. Right. Saeed himself, being Muslim, has many Muslim clients who are drawn to him and who come to him as opposed to other financial planners because he understands where they're coming from. Yep. Me, I used to work as a, as a professional accountant early in my career for one of the big accounting firms. I worked in the financial services industry for a number of years. But more importantly, I'm kind of a personal finance junkie. Kind of. He says kind of if you could see his library and the maybe hundreds of personal finance books that he's got. Yeah. Kind of. I don't think the qualification of kind of is appropriate here. He is a personal finance junkie. So a bona fide personal finance junkie. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I've struggled with many of the issues that we're going to be discussing here myself. And by virtue of my background, I, I tend to get a lot of questions from people that I don't always have the answers to. So I usually end up you know, either doing a lot of research or reaching out to some of the experts that I'm fortunate to know really well, people like Saeed. Oh, yeah. And I remember um, back in the days, I don't know how long ago this was now, um, we were talking about this problem. Like the, a lot of my Muslim clients, the challenges that they face in the Muslim community in general and the, the, fa- the problems that they face with money and how there are really like no good resources out there online or in book form uh, that to teach Muslims how to manage their money. And then you said, why don't we build one? Yeah. So, you know, this is it. Hope you like it. Join us next time. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. So, I mean, that's what this is about, right? We really want to create a space where Muslims can learn about money in a way that's accessible, engaging and approachable. Because we recognize that money can be an uncomfortable topic. Yeah. You know, we're all familiar with that feeling of not wanting to open up your credit card statement at the end of the month because you just you just don't want to see how bad the damage was. Everybody's been there. Right. And the, temp- the temptation is to just ignore it in the hopes that it'll all work itself out. A lot of people do that, too. <laughs> but of course, that never happens. Right. So what we're trying to do here is make it as easy as possible for you to ask yourself some difficult questions about money, because in the end, you're going to be better off because of it. A little bit of discomfort, but we want to minimize that discomfort, make this as fun and engaging as possible. Yeah. So a lot of people might be wondering, Saeed, what what does being Muslim have to do with anything? Why why do we need a resource about personal finance for Muslims? And I can Mm -hmm. already tell... People, as they're listening, they're thinking, well, isn't it just about, you know, avoiding interest? As long as I don't have a, you know, an interest bearing savings account, then I'm good, right? I wish it was that simple. And I think we tend to, you know, stepping back from that question, I think we tend to underestimate the role that, that money plays in how we live our lives, right? Think about it. 
most of the major decisions that you've made in your life up until this point and most of the major decisions that you're going to make over the rest of your life has a lot to do with money. Hmm. And that's true for everybody, you know, regardless of their religion. The problem is that it's very difficult to take financial advice from somebody who doesn't share the core values that you do. At least I had that problem. And there's a disconnect because, you know, there's a disconnect between what drives you in your life and what drives them, you know, that source of knowledge that doesn't have the same value system as you. And I think this is more than just staying away from interest. It's about how we are using our money during the course of our lives and whether how we're using it is truly beneficial. Interest is just transactions, right? You just stay away from interest-based transactions. But what we're talking about is much broader. It's how to have a healthy relationship with money so that you can use it to get what you want out of life. Yeah, I can tell you that I've 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 lived that experience personally, right? Like I like you said, I, I read a lot of personal finance books, blogs. I listen to the podcast, uh, you know, all of it, right? And and there's a lot of good stuff out there, much of which we're going to be sharing with you. Like if you go to our Twitter feed right now, you'll see we've already started sharing a lot of really good content. What's it, that uh, Twitter feed? That's um, so it's the the Twitter uh, account is Riskwise. So if you go to twitter.com forward slash Riskwise, then you'll you'll find our Twitter account. And a lot of the stuff that I've come across is very, very valuable, right? The specific strategies and tactics are valuable, but there's always a disconnect in the why, right? Why are we doing this? A lot of times when yeah. you read the other stuff, it's, you know, it's some kind of endless pursuit of money as an end in and of itself, right? Having, m making money for the sake of making money. Or it's the pursuit of a certain kind of lifestyle that's made possible through making more money. Right. Like, like traveling around the world and that kind of stuff. Traveling, freedom, flexibility, um, or, you know, it's the pursuit of, of happiness, whatever that means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, some, some cynicism right there. I love it. Yeah. But as a Muslim, that, that doesn't resonate with me. That's not my why. Right. Because as Muslims, we believe that our life is our capital. Right. How we spend our lives will determine where we end up eternally. Right. So as a result we're not interested or we shouldn't be interested in the blind pursuit of wealth or happiness or a certain lifestyle because we acknowledge that everything we have, our wealth, our health, everything, or our risk, as it's called in Arabic, mm -hmm. is given to us by Allah. And this is the fundamental problem with money, right? Is we delude ourselves into thinking that it's our money because we earned it. We went to work. I we went got to work, that job. I work hard, I put up with my jerk of a boss, right? Or my clients. <laughs> or I run this business and I, you know, I answer to my clients and I do great work. Therefore, it's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah, I earned it, it's mine. But the reality is, yeah, you took the means to work, good for you, but Allah decreed that you're going to get that money. So ultimately, it's from him. If he didn't give it to you, you wouldn't have it. Right. So like everything else in life, that's a test, right? Both poverty and wealth are a test from God. And mm -hmm. we're going to be held accountable for what we do with what we've been given. So as Muslims, like this is first principles, right? This is how we define our relationship with money. Now, on a more practical note, like you said, Saeed, mm -hmm. we need to recognize that the way we manage our money has a huge impact, impact on how we lead our lives. 
right? right? It's not like like there's money on one side and there's life on the other and they don't interact. <laughs> no, I mean, like, they're very much intertwined. It's a big mess, right? Your money life, yeah. is a significant driver of how we lead our lives, much more than we care to admit. So this is about money, yeah, but it's actually about much more than money. And, you know, that really, like, brings out the question, how do you want to lead your life, right? The, the reality is that most people... They let money call the shots. It should be the other way around, right? You should be telling your money what to do based on how you want to live your life. And I can't tell you, man, the number of times that I've sat with elderly clients that are, you know, much senior in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they reminisce on their past and and what they did, the mistakes that they made and things that they wish that they did. And they kind of go, go back into this mode. And everybody's going to get into this place in life. At some point, you're going to be doing nothing but reminiscing. Maybe that's after retirement. I don't know. But people reminisce about how little things that they did or did not do have significant impacts on themselves now. And they saved so much less money when they were young than they should have. And because of that, they have so few choices. Their money now dictates their life because they didn't dictate to their money what they wanted it to do. So they're older and now they got to sell their house because they have to, they have to downsize. They have to do a reverse mortgage or go into massive amounts of debt in order to fund themselves or, you know, be dependent on their kids before they thought they needed to be dependent, right? They're still well, they're still healthy and well, but they've just basically run out of money. So what we want to do is we want to help you make sure that you control your money and your money doesn't control you. And that is not easy. It's not something that comes natural. It's not something that you would have learned growing up. And it's very easy to slip into this autopilot mode, right? This autopilot mode where you go through life without really thinking about what you're doing and what you want. You just kind of coast. And for most people, autopilot means doing what everybody else is doing. So, you know, you, you do well in school. You go into university, college. You graduate, get a good job, pay off that university and college, buy a car at some point in there, get married, have kids, buy a house, spend a few decades paying off that house, and hopefully in 40 years, you can retire. Hmm. And that may have worked. That used to work. That may work. Be, that may be working for your parents. Maybe. I mean, how many people truly know the finances of their parents? But that doesn't work anymore. And unfortunately, a lot of my clients are finding that out the hard way, hopefully sooner rather than later, which is why we're here. Yeah, and we're not trying to pull you away from a traditional life. Right. All, all the stuff that Saeed mentioned, you know, family, education, uh, housing, like those are important things. And if that's what you want, you should go and get them. Yeah. We're not telling you not to get married. That would not be a wise piece of advice from us. No, especially with our wives listening. That's not something that we, we would say. <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> but what we are warning you against is going on autopilot. Right. Because when you go on autopilot and you just kind of blindly go through life, you know, financial commitment after financial commitment. Yes. You might end up looking back on life and asking yourself, did I do what I wanted to do? And of course, by then, it's too late. Yeah. Did you really do what you really wanted to do? And, and think about, you know, we have the, the, the good fortune of, having, of being able to hear what some of Saeed's clients say to him later in life. Right? right. And it's always useful 
to look at people who are ahead of you in life and reflect on what they wish they'd done differently because you're going to be there eventually sooner than you think right <laughs> and there's always a better way to do things i remember uh back in university uh you had a summer job working for toyota building cars like literally you know a grease monkey on the line in the car assembly and uh toyota being a japanese company they have some japanese culture in their company and there was one term that was used so often at that plant and i'd like to take cre- i'd like to credit Toyota as a company for doing that. I don't think it was just the plant that was all about this. But this word in Japanese, and I apologize if anybody who speaks Japanese, if I butcher this word, um, but they would call it Kaizen, uh, which as I understand it means essentially incremental improvements that you don't have to make big drastic changes to have positive outcomes long term, just small changes, slowly, slowly, small change over small change over small change compounded over time, over time they will make a significant impact on the outcome. Yeah, and that's interesting because that's very prophetic advice, right? Yeah. We we learned from the Prophet (laughs) that the best of actions are those that are small but consistent. And I think that's amazing. There's so much. I mean, this is Japanese culture and Islam, two, you know, things that are very different part of the world. And they coalesce and come together around certain uh, virtues. I think it's great. Well, I mean, and that's that's a whole other topic, right? I mean, generally, any (laughs) any wisdom or truth that you find, if if you look at like the life and the teachings of the Prophet, they're there, right? They're they're all there. Uh, and, And so this is true for, you know, personal finance, it's true for everything in life, right? Just think about health and nutrition, right? Like if you binge on pizza, pop and chips, you know, for three or four days out of the week, and then you clean up your act for the rest of the week, that's not going to get you very far. Yeah. Yeah. It actually reminds me of uh, an interview I read online a little while ago by an actor named Terry Crews. He's um, a really big, you know, physically muscular guy in The Expendables, that movie. He's done a couple of the uh, Old Spice commercials. You know who I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So he did this interview online and um, he was saying that his best advice to people who are going to the gym and trying to be healthy is don't get a gym membership and then just go hard at it for like a day or two or a week or two because you're going to get sore, you're not going to like it, and you're not going to go back and you're going to waste your time and money at the gym. Mm. What he said was just make a habit, you know, set your time every day and just go. So if you're first and you're new at the gym and you're new at, you know, having a healthier lifestyle, you just go to the gym and you hang out. Like, if you don't feel like going to the gym, if you don't feel like working out, fine, but go. Yeah. If you sit on the couch and like read a newspaper or just hang out for half an hour to an hour, at least you went. And, and that's the habit that you start first. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. That's interesting. I'm a big reader of, a big fan and a reader of Zen Habits. Yeah. Um, I think it's zenhabits.com, I think. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes, whatever the link is. But uh, he writes a lot about habit formation, right? And and the the premise is that what ultimately drives your behavior is good habits, not not bursts of intention or good inten- uh, bursts of energy or good intentions, right? It's the habits you form that drive most of what you do, yeah. right? So what he says in terms of forming these habits is, you know, commit to actions that are so small that it's almost embarrassing if you don't do them, <laughs> right? So like, let's let's say you wanna you wanna run every morning, right? Okay. He says, commit to just like putting your shoes on. Oh, really? That's like go and put your shoes on every day. Do that for like a week. Right. But what ends up happening is you feel so embarrassed for not being able to take such a small step as putting your shoes on 
But you're going to end up going for a walk at the very least. <laughs> you're going to go once your shoes are on, you're going to go outside, right? Yeah. And once yep. you're outside, you might as well run a little bit. Yeah. Right? Wow. Um, but the problem is when we commit to like this big, scary, you know, action, right? That in a lot of ways um, impedes progress. Right. Right. So when we turn it back to personal finance, right? I think the question is, why is it so difficult to um, stay consistent with these small actions? I think, you know, we can blame everybody else. (laughs) That sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) No, truthfully, we are bombarded. I mean, you and I and everybody, we are the most advertised to generation out there. Uh, Maybe it'll get worse in the future on Allah Adam, but... We are bombarded constantly by messages, by companies who are framing our thought process, who want to convince us that we need what they're selling. And they're doing a remarkable job at that, at taking money out of our wallet and, and getting us to believe that we need what it is that they're selling. It's beautiful in how sinister it is sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you know, think about a couple examples. Off the top of my head, I was listening to some uh, analyst reviews about a few companies. Uh, Lululemon struck out to me. They are... Uh, a clothing, an active clothing company, right? Lululemon Athletica, they do clothing for working out. They started off with yoga pants and now they're doing a lot more than that. And they're not just trying to sell you clothes, right? Because if they have a pair of pants or a shirt or a t-shirt, I mean, you're going to look at that and say, okay, how much does it cost? Okay, look over the, the other company, how much does that cost? And then you're just making a judgment based on, you know, price and kind of value. They want to add to that. And this goes for every brand name that exists. Lululemon, they don't just want to sell you clothes. They want to sell you a lifestyle. Mm. So that when you put on that you know, yoga pants or that shirt that says Lululemon on it, you are embodying a persona somebody of somebody who cares about health and wellness and the planet. Yeah. You become a better version of yourself simply by buying their stuff. What powerful messaging that is. And it's not just them, man. I mean, Rolex, the you know luxury watchmaker from like a couple grand to 150 grand. I mean, there's Rolies out there that cost as much as houses. And they're not just selling a watch, right? Because you can kind of weigh, well, how many grams of gold are in here? How many diamonds? What's the value of the material? They're not trying to get you to do that math. Yeah. They want you to buy a Rolex because when you put that Rolex on, you become an embodiment of somebody who loves refinement, who has refined taste, who is successful and who who embodies success. And that's like smart, very, very, very intelligent people with masters and PhDs, with teams of analysts working for them, looking at massive scale research and and, uh, case studies. They're out there trying to create these messages to take money out of your wallet. All, all things we look for in, in good companies to invest in, right? <laughs> yeah. It's funny that you say that. Exactly. That's exactly the, you know, it, it, oftentimes you'll find a direct opposite correlation, you know, negative correlation. When you see a company that has such great messaging and such great, uh, you know, loyalty from their customers, they tend to be great companies to buy and own because those loyal customers are paying a lot for their stuff. But those same companies are probably the same companies you don't want to buy their stuff from. When you look at it from the investors, it's great. Uh, you, know, yeah. you, you look at the business side of things, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, ethical investing is something that we're, we're definitely going to be speaking a lot about. Um, right. But, you know, another really good example comes to mind. Tom's Shoes. 
Oh yeah, the the I love that company. They're like the you know they do all of this stuff, but for the younger generation because their messaging is so great. Yeah, so you know I own a pair of Toms, right? And I'm, <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it. But you the, should be. The marketing is is nothing short of brilliant. So what what they say is every time you buy a pair of Toms shoes, the company will donate a similar pair to a child in Africa who can't afford shoes. Beautiful. So. I've actually had people tell me that, oh, I just bought a pair of Tom's shoes and gave charity. <laughs> That's <laughs> like they make people believe that by buying a pair of shoes, you're you're giving charity. You're giving sadaqa by buying the shoes. The, and can I I don't I actually don't own Tom's myself. Can I guess that they are above one hundred dollars a pair? No, no, Toms aren't that expensive. Oh, but like, okay. But I mean, compared to you know, like the knockoffs that are half the price, like there's right. there's, there's really not much of a difference, right? You're you're paying for the brand more than you're paying for anything else. So that when you put, when you slip on that pair of Toms shoes, and and maybe more importantly, when other people see you in Toms shoes, they you think about that child in Africa. <laughs> they know that you're such a good, generous person. You've you care about the world. You're you know worldly. You you're sensitive. You want to help people out of poverty. That's a great message. It's a great persona that they want you to slip in when you when you buy a pair of their shoes. Great. So forget the shoes, right? Forget the watch. Forget the pants. Like if you want them, buy them. I don't really care, right? But the the question is, how do we protect ourselves from allowing these stories to dictate our shopping behavior, our buying behavior? implicitly right? our, our yeah. habits right and like we don't even realize it half the time right? exactly and that's the big point that we're, i, I want to make we don't realize this is happening to us most of the time so i'm, I'm gonna bring up i'm gonna warn you right now i'm gonna bring up seth godin is that, <sighs> is that okay i don't know if i have a choice ever on this topic <laughs> you quote you quote seth godin more than i quote warren buffett if that says something well i haven't done it yet right it's it's, it's been like 20 minutes so far i haven't i haven't brought him <laughs> up yet so that, that's progress i think <laughs> so seth godin for those of you who don't know is a you know prolific blogger uh entrepreneur marketer um and and has a lot to offer in terms of commentary on the kind of things that we're talking about on his blog and in his books i'm yes. a big fan said likes him too he just gets he annoyed. is he's genuinely brilliant he is incredibly smart so he's got an article that I'm going to link to in the show notes, actually. It's called Your Story About Money. The premise is that the story you tell yourself about anything is what ultimately drives your behavior. And what he says is that that money is not real, right? It's, it's just a method of exchange, uh, a unit of value that we agree has value because we use it to you know, acquire goods and services. It's less real now than it's ever been. Really? Absolutely, right? Money used to be gold, right? Now it's bits on a screen and at some server somewhere. Pieces of paper, right? But each person's valuation of money is going to be different depending on the story they tell themselves about their money, right? We tell ourselves a story about how much money we have, how we got that money, what it says about us, yes. and how other people view us based on that. Yeah. So what he says is before there's money, there's a story, and that story dictates pretty much everything we do i totally i mean there are some good uh real life practical examples of this i mean i know people who are incredibly well off that you know if i told you how much money they had in their accounts you would fall over and they insist even though they have enormous amounts of wealth they insist on driving old beat up cars i mean if you if you wherever you guys live whoever's who's listening to us 
you know, drive around to the rich, rich neighborhoods and see, you'll find many expensive houses that have old beat up cars in front of them. And people who are like that, who have enormous wealth, but, you know, they choose to drive, let's say, an old car as an example. The reason they do that, I mean, of course they could buy an expensive car. Of course they would enjoy it, but it's not about the money. It's about the story. Right? People like that. They're very value conscious. They pride themselves on being frugal and being responsible more, uh, with their money. And for them, buying a nice car, even though they could afford it and would enjoy it, would contradict the story that they tell themselves about themselves and other people about themselves. What does what Warren Buffett drive? Man, Warren Buffett for the longest time, he's now recently chained. I mean, he's in, like, in his 80s now, but he, uh, he drove a Buick Century for most of his career when he was a billionaire. He was driving a $30,000 car as a billionaire. The house that he lives in is the same house he bought in the 50s for, I believe it was something like 150 grand. And he still wow. lives there. He still lives there. And, and that, that, if you know anything about Warren Buffett, that lines up perfectly with his story. He is the like the third, I think now, second or third. He trades places with Bill Gates all the time. Third or second or third richest person in the world from investing, from being good with his money. You know, I could I could go on for an hour about Buffett himself, but great example. I mean, you know, he he drove for the longest time Buick Century, a Buick Century, hmm. <laughs> and he was a billionaire and he was driving around in a Buick. That's the story that he tells himself. Now, of course, there are way more people, like far far more people on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, that, yeah. you know, are buying stuff they know they can't afford or at least should know they can't afford. But the story they want to project is that they're rich and they're wealthy and they're successful, even if they're not yet rich or wealthy or successful. There's a lot of people. More, more often than not, people are not at all rich, wealthy, or successful when they look at it. Yeah, I mean, living beyond your means now is the norm, right? People that live within their means are the exception to the rule. Yeah, we're weird. Yeah, unfortunately. So... You know, in short, what Seth Godin's saying and what those examples are, are telling us is that if you change the story, then your behavior will change. The problem is that everyone else is trying to sell you a story about money, right? Society, these companies, the marketers, they're all trying to sell you a story, right? Um, to make you desire certain products or a certain lifestyle. But as Muslims, we have our own story about money. Right. And that story begins with acknowledging that money is not really ours. It's given to us by Allah. It's a trust. And it's our responsibility to do good with it. Yeah. To me, that sums up our mission here. Like what we're trying to do is help Muslims live their lives according to that story and not somebody else's. So how, you know, how are people, how are Muslims supposed to learn how to do all this, right? You know, you probably didn't get that knowledge, this kind of knowledge growing up or from school or from your parents and likely, maybe definitely not from your friends. That's that's generally just, you know, don't ask your friends for advice about money. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they're driving nice cars and live expensive houses, because more often than not, they're of the second category, not the first. <laughs> more often than not, I'm not to make, trying to make too much of a generalization here, but, and you know, it's, it's bear in mind, all of our friends are listening to this. Oh God, yes. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, and I think we can acknowledge that getting this stuff from the mainstream personal finance resources, books, uh, blogs, podcasts is a bit, a lot more difficult because they don't really understand our Islamic values at all. And that's where we hope to help, right? That's I mean, the gap that we want to fill. We, 
you know, I see that I think I can speak on your behalf here. We by no means have all the answers. Well, not all of them. I mean, you know. Yeah, just most, yeah, most, most of them. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the vast majority. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we do have a lot to share on the topic through, you know, both our professional and personal experiences that we think will will be valuable to you. Inshallah. One thing we should make absolutely clear, though, is that we're not here to give you any kind of religious, spiritual, or fiqhi advice. Yeah, and I think I think that bears repeating. We are not here <laughs> to give you any kind of religious, spiritual, or fiqhi advice. Yeah, so if you remember the intros, neither of us called each other sheikh or imam or mufti. That's not, uh, we didn't omit that. We're not sheikhs, imams, or muftis. Yeah, that's, that's definitely not our role. Uh, right. But, and we're also not here to make you feel bad about how you manage your money, right? Because yeah. this is something that we all need. Like, I can sit personally, just from having these conversations with Saeed and thinking through these issues, like, I've already learned so much from these conversations. And vice versa with Ahmed. I mean, the knowledge sharing that just two people, Ahmed and I, have gained from each other has been great. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when this gets out to the Muslim community and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, Muslims, get together and start talking about this topic. Yeah, inshallah, we ask Allah for tawfiq um, in this endeavor and that he bless you know, all of us in the entire ummah to be able to you know, take this responsibility of the, the risk that he's given us you know, seriously. Inshallah. Um, and, and really, that's, that's what we're here to do, right? We're here to, to provide a reminder because you know, really knowing what to do is really not enough, right? Like we all need constant reminders of why we're doing things the way that we're doing them and how to do it right. And so really, we're just here to spark that conversation and get you thinking in the right direction and asking the right questions to help you improve your money and your life. Yeah. And, and I want to emphasize that, right? We are here, like we want this to be a two-way conversation. You're listening to us right now. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what your struggles are, what your questions are, what's bothering you about money, what's things in the back of your mind that you thought of, what did you hear from your parents or your aunt or your friend that you, you, know, you want to get a second opinion on. And we want to hear if you disagree with anything that we've said. I mean, this is only worth doing as an endeavor for Ahmed and I, who we both have businesses, we both have families. It's only worth for us to do for you if it's helping helping you if it's improving your life in some way so please do tell us what you think tell us what problems you're facing or if you have it all figured out i mean we want to be here as a resource and as ahmed had said i want to bear repeating it it, this is a a judgment-free area we're not here to make you feel bad or judge you in any way of your religion or in the way that you you use money it's an uncomfortable topic it you know reveals a lot about you and a lot about uh, the way you do things so you know, we will do our best. Call us out if we ever, you know, go back on this promise. But we will do our best to ensure that this is a judgment-free zone. So you feel free to always ask, always email, always tweet and Facebook us. Well, I'm, I'm reminded by the, the the classic line you hear in most khutbas, right? Like, this is a reminder to myself first and then to you. And yes. honestly, that is entirely true here, right? Like, I'm talking to myself first and then everybody else. Absolutely, man. So... In terms of giving us your feedback and having that conversation, uh, you can do that by going to our website, riskwise.com. Find the the page where this episode is hosted, uh, and you can drop a comment there at the bottom of the page. 
Uh, you can also send us an email. You probably got this uh, this episode delivered by email, so you can just hit reply to that and let us know what you think. And if you um, didn't get this this uh, episode delivered to you by email, make sure you go onto our website at riskwise.com and drop in your email for the reminders. We won't be spamming you. We won't be, won't be selling your, your data or your information to anybody. We won't bombard you with stuff all the time, but it's the best way for us to communicate with you about new stuff that's going on. And that's that's really important, right? Because this is just the beginning. We've now introduced the topic, told you where we're coming from, why we're doing this, and kind of helped you know frame the conversation. Now we're really going to dive deep into the the practicalities of how to do this right. Now we've got a, a bunch of really exciting episodes lined up yes. for you that Get you're going to want to listen to. Um, so he's Get pretty pumped. excited, as you can. <laughs> As you can see, he's pretty pumped. Uh, and we've also got like a lot of great interviews lined up with some of the experts and personalities who have a lot to contribute to this conversation and that you're going to want to hear from. Yeah, so, all the topics that we don't know personally, <laughs> we, we're getting resources from people who do know it much better than us. And again, a lot of that stuff that you're going to see come from us on the website and through interviews, it's going to be based on your feedback. What do you want to know? And when we get this feedback from you, we'll be making an assessment can we talk about this? If not, who can we get? Yeah. Drop a comment. Send us an email. Make sure you get on the email list. Go to riskwise.com, R-I-Z-Q-W-I-S-E.com. At the top of the page, you can drop your email address in there, and we'll make sure you don't miss any of the good stuff. Inshallah. Anything else, Saeed? We good to go? We're good, man. All right. Thank you, Saeed. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and you to too, the listeners, man. thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you'll tune in next time. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.